of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We see in the Gospel and the Epistle today the themes of submission and leadership. St. Paul tells us to obey our church leaders and submit to them. And Christ commands the healed men to submit to the law by showing themselves to the priests. In fact, when we look back at the past few weeks in the three great feasts of the Nativity, the circumcision of Christ, and the baptism in the Jordan, we see that Christ himself shows submission and also a particular expression of leadership. He shows us both how to lead and how to submit to a leader. And we'll be looking at his example uh, for these two key themes. And we start by looking to Jesus' leadership. And really, this is summed up by St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 2. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he expressed this leadership in such ways as washing the disciples' feet, keeping his authority hidden and downplayed, playing with children and focusing on those who are marginalized and disempowered. And in all these instances, we see that he doesn't act in the manner that we would expect of the all-powerful one. Expectations are, in fact, reversed. We see that he truly lives according to what he said of himself, that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, from Mark 10, 45. We find a similar vision of leadership in the church, in our leaders. And St. Paul tells us in the epistle today, obey your leaders and submit to them. And the clergy take on Christ's own ministry, this ministry of servant leadership. And we submit to our leaders even as they seek to enact Christ's servant leadership. It's built into the very leadership structure of our church. Some people think we have a pyramid structure, like the state. Uh, sorry, like the state. In the state, you have the people, various kinds of uh, levels of leadership with the head of state at the top. And it's the same with business. You have workers with various levels of middle management with a, someone like a CEO at the very top once again. Some people think we have a similar thing with the laity at, at the bottom and then possibly the subdeacons one uh, level up and then deacon, priest, bishop, and then possibly someone like the patriarch at the very top. However, Metropolitan Anthony Bloom, quoting St. Sophroni of Essex, says that unlike these models, what the church actually has is an inverted pyramid, upside down. And at the point, at the very bottom of the pyramid, is Christ himself. And then Metropolitan Anthony says, layer after layer of the people who exercise Christ's own diaconia, that is his ministry, carry on their shoulders all the weight of the pyramid. If we speak of hierarchy, he continues, we must remember Christ's words. I am in your midst like the servant from Luke 22. And those of us who wish to be in Christ must learn to be servants and nothing else. This model of leadership must be replicated in the family. St. Paul tells us that the father is like the icon of Christ and that he must take the lead. But where is that lead, guys? At the bottom of the pyramid. 
St. Paul says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And before we can speak about anyone submitting to anyone else, the injunction in particular for wives to submit to husbands is in the context of husbands following Christ's lead and placing themselves and their own needs and own wants last of all. This is radically different to what we see in the world, where sadly men will often abuse their power and dominate in a relationship, or they think that the family exists to serve them and not the other way around. The masculinity that we need in the church is that that imitates Christ riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. The Christ who said, whoever desires to become great among you, let him become your servant, and whoever desires to be first, let him be your slave. Looking more broadly, this principle applies to all of us in leadership positions, male and female, as parents, as leaders in the parish, in our workplaces, even at school or uni, wherever we may be. Leadership in the Christian paradigm is nothing other than following Christ, who placed himself beneath the people that he leads. Now, Christ not only showed us how to be a leader, but also how to submit to leadership. Without being any lesser than the Father, he submitted to the Father's will for the salvation of the world through his incarnation, death, resurrection, and ascension. And this, this great act of submission of his had a number of associated submissive acts. He submitted to the Jewish law by being circumcised. He submitted to John the Baptist in being baptized by him. He submitted to the untruthful accusations of his persecutors without defending himself. He submitted to the unjust decision of Pontius Pilate. He submitted even to his creatures in being killed by them. We are all in positions where we are in submission to others, all of us, clergy and laity, male and female, young and old. Firstly, we are in submission to God as we endeavor to live our lives as Christians. In Ephesians 5.21, St. Paul says that we should all submit to one another in the fear of God. And really, as we go about our days, there are a hundred small little situations that are constantly challenging us to submit what we want for what others might want. When we decide what we're having for dinner one night, when we decide who's going to ride shotgun in the front seat, when you decide whose plan for that group assignment at school or uni you're actually going to go ahead with, constant opportunities to submit to one another in the fear of God. Children submitting to parents, wives submitting to husbands, all of us submitting to our political rulers, and Father Jeff has already mentioned our submission to the government's decrees when they don't clash with our duty as Christians. All of us submitting to our spiritual father, Father Jeff, or whoever our spiritual father might be. And all of us submitting to the bishop as well. And on this matter, St. Ignatius of Antioch in his letter to the people of Smyrna says this, see that you all follow the bishop, even as Jesus Christ does the father and the priests as you would the apostles. And reverence the deacons as being the institution of God. Let no man do anything connected with the church without the bishop. Wherever the bishop shall appear, there let the multitude of the people also be. Even as wherever Jesus Christ is, there is the church. 
St. Paul also even gives advice to slaves to submit to their masters. Now, that was relevant in the context of the ancient world. It's not really relevant now, though perhaps sometimes we feel like slaves in our workplaces. So perhaps an equivalent exists in our attitude towards our superiors at work, uni, or school. So why submission then? Well, Christ lived as a perfect human being, and if he submitted himself, if he emptied himself, then this is the path for us. This is the way, as the Mandalorian says. So the first reason is because Christ lived this way. He not only shows the path to true personhood, but shows the path to true community, to healthy interpersonal relationships. If we are submitting to no one, we are actually in a state of great spiritual danger. We are not fulfilling our humanity. We are living impaired, and the community that we are a part of suffers. Further, we, in choosing submission, are cleansed of many passions, most notably our pride, our egoism, and our self-will that poison the well of the spiritual life. We become free, free from our own erroneous will and our own misguided ideas. I have a friend from the Antiochian House of Studies. Her name is Laura Wilson. She wrote a whole master's thesis on this topic. I wish I could share uh, much of it with you because it's so brilliant. But what she focuses on is the fact that our submission becomes the way that we recover the lost image of God within us. Submission is not on the level of, uh, of ontology, on the level of being. No one was created greater or lesser than anyone else. But our submission is an economic one. It has to do with God's saving work in the world. There is no gender superiority in the church. No one is better or any lesser. We submit because it's part of how God is saving us. It's good medicine for us. It's not a matter of inequality. Again, Christ is equal to the Father, yet he voluntarily submits to him. So we have this, these misconceptions about submission. We think that if we submit ourselves, we will lose out. It will demean us. We'll be humiliated. We'll lose our sense of self. We'll lose our individuality. We'll lose our freedom. Did Christ's act of submitting diminish his majesty? Did he lose out? Did his submission make him any less God? The opposite is true. Through submission, we are ennobled. We are dignified. We show our strength. We conquer our pride. We master ourselves. We activate our true humanity because Christ has shown us by his life what it means to be truly human. We find humility without which none of us will be saved. And we learn to submit to God when we submit to those above us in the relationships previously described. Now you might ask, well, what if the leaders above us are not good leaders? What if they abuse their leadership? What if it's not fair? Well, St. Paul tells Christian slaves to submit not only to the good and kind masters, but even to the unkind ones, as if they were submitting to Christ. So we see that in all these opportunities for submission, really what we are doing is we are submitting to God himself. And let me ask you too, what was fair or just about Christ submitting to the beatings, the lies, the spitting, the injustice, the rejection, and the death? Let's not focus so much on what is 
seems fair. Of course, I'm not talking about situations of serious abuse. These require discernment and altogether another course of action. But overall, I think many of our issues with submission boil down to one thing. We just don't want to. We actually just don't want to humble ourselves. It must be freely chosen. This is the key. And the Samaritan leper shows us the correct attitude that we must have in submission. Christ didn't force the lepers to come and say thanks to him. But the one who did shows that he was truly thankful. And he earned an extra blessing as a result. Dr. Eugenia Constantinou, in her new book, Thinking Orthodox, says that in our church, we have an obligation imposed on us. But obedience, as the church uses and understands that term, is self-chosen. The activities our church prescribes are not an obligation, but a gift to lead you to spiritual health. And this is just such an astonishing line, because when you look at the church from the outside and all the fasting rules and the prayer rule, and this is how you make the sign of the cross, and this is what you do when you come into a church, and this is how you follow the liturgical calendar, it looks like one obligation after another. But to know that these are invitations to bring us to health, it just changes it all completely. And she points out to St. John Chrysostom's commentary on the offerings of Cain and Abel and, the, and the, the fact that Cain's offering to God was rejected because he did so out of obligation and not out of love. So we submit not because we have to, but because we choose to. It's a move of strength and not weakness. It's a move of freedom and not coercion. Dangerous things happen when people are forced to submit. Dostoevsky in his notes from Underground has the underground man pointing out that when people have their freedom and their self-determination taken away, they will act against their best interests in order to try to claim some of that freedom back, right? I think the best story that I think makes this clear is something I heard once from Bishop John in the US. And he told a story of a young woman who wanted to marry this guy who was just not going to be good for her. It just was not going to go well. And her parents sat her down and they said, you're not going to marry him. So what did she do? She marries the guy simply because she had no agency, no control, no freedom in the choice, knowing that it wasn't going to be good for her. And I'm sure that we can think of similar kind of situations where people will act against their best interests just to try to claim back some freedom because they've been coerced. And in the world, we find that they get this problem of leadership and submission wrong. We have systems where people are either forced to comply to authorities with authoritarian leaders who often seek their own power and prestige, and people are coerced into submission. Eventually, no matter where this takes place, in the home, in the high school, in the workplace, even on a national level, this leads to resentment, it leads to rebellion, and possibly even revolution. On the opposite end of the spectrum, sometimes people try to set up systems where there are no leaders, no authority, therefore no one has to submit to anything, right? Sounds good on paper. However, what happens here is that the power struggle just goes underground, right? Everyone still secretly wants to assert their own will. And it's just a catastrophe. 
in the church, we have the solution. And really, I mean, just the genius of it, an authority system that places itself beneath those subject to it. When you see leaders who live this out, you actually think, yeah, I'd be happy to submit to that person because we know that they're not self-interested. And those under authority submitting freely and deliberately to the authorities. And it means that there's peace. There's no resentment because there's been no coercion. It has to be a free choice. So in conclusion, we see that in both his submission to the Father and his leadership in Christ, they're characterized by one thing, his self-emptying, this word that we use, his kenosis. So let me ask you two questions. What is your submission like? Are you emptying yourself like Christ, freely, even happily? And if you're in a position of leadership at school, uni, work, in the family, in the church, in the community, what is your leadership like? Do you likewise see yourself at the bottom of the pyramid? Do you live out the icon of the good shepherd where he's carrying the sheep on his shoulders? He's placed himself beneath the sheep. We need to embody and incarnate what that icon is teaching us. So may we learn more and more how to be a part of this great dance. Leaders sacrificing themselves and seeking the well-being of those entrusted in their care. And those under leadership freely and willingly choosing to submit in humility and trust. May we become the healthy, sane community that God intends us to be. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fantastic.